Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Paths Uncovered. Um, it's a podcast where we get to go through the untraditional career paths that people have taken into technology. And I'm very excited to have Rachel Dagg with me today. Um, I feel like I've just given up hope, like even trying to be like, oh, it's a really exciting guest. Every one of the guests is just exciting. And I'm just becoming a cliche every time I introduce someone. So I'll just let you do your own introductions. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, everyone. Um, so my name is Rachel. I am a consultant at KPMG in the health, aging and human services line. Um, and my degree is in nutrition, but I also have studied coding and I'm currently doing my master's of biotechnology. And like <laughs> I remember, um, I think it was on LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure I stalked you down, which is a lot of people who've gone onto the podcast where I just stalk people down. But I remember seeing like some random article, I think that you mentioned in all these things. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, this is it's so pretty bizarre. random. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's a wild ride. That's for sure. I like it. These are the best kind of stories as well, I feel, from where they go and get to and stuff. So look, we'll dive straight in. Let's go back to kind of like high school times, where we usually start the podcast, just in terms of what were you thinking back then? What were like, what were your aims and decisions? And like, what was college going to be? What was the decision between nutrition and stuff? Yeah, so back to high school, um, in terms of aims, didn't really have many. Um aim to have a really good social life on weekends, that's for sure. But um, no, I I wasn't um, really academic. I went to a really academic school, um, but I probably spent more time in trouble um, than I did actually studying. Um, yeah, I thought I wanted to be a wedding planner, actually, believe it or not. Um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was really, really keen on it. And I was trying to persuade my mum. I was like, I really want to... Um, drop out of school in year 10 and study at TAFE and she was like no let's just wait um, so yeah I um, yeah completed school and when I finished I decided to go into mass communications because I thought maybe something in PR um, in that kind of area would be cool didn't really enjoy it um, so I changed around I changed like three different degrees in a year and a half um, I did a bit of photography, I um, changed to psychology and then I changed to psychology business and that was kind of like, oh, I'd like to say the last change, but it wasn't the last change. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I really appreciate that because, I mean, I think it's very different in Australia compared to Ireland at least, where like in Ireland it's like, okay, you do these six subjects and then you pick a degree and the degree tells you exactly what you're going to study for the next four years. Yeah. And it's really, whereas like at least here you get the choice of trying different things. Like I definitely wouldn't have been able to do that unless I literally dropped out and restarted again in first year kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it is very different here. I guess though, there's a lot of pressure when you're leaving school and when you don't know, like you just kind of pick and choose and you're just like blindly picking so yeah like I just kind of that's what I did I was like I'll just try things out and just see how I land that and I mean yeah it's so important we've talked about this on recent episodes as well where it's like college all it tells you and teaches you is how you learn and what you learn best is kind of just how you pick things up not the actual content yeah <laughs> like, oh. that's all great and stuff but I'm like doesn't really help it how much of it helps questionable <laughs> yeah definitely and like when I did when I did psychology I actually I found, you know, I went into it because I thought human behavior was really interesting and I kind of wanted to combine like the communications part 
in potentially advertising with human behavior. That was like kind of my thinking around it. Um, but I've found that I've like kind of maintained that interest in human behavior and everything I've done um, and always had that kind of flavor throughout my work. So it's been, it has been good, you know, like I, I yeah. am, I am grateful that I did it. Um, I did learn something. So the Hextet, you know, there is something from that. <laughs> so was that then the three, four years of degree was all from psychology and business? Is that the one you said? Yes. No. So I, um, I chopped and changed for about a year and a half. And then I was, I went away. I decided I'd take six months off because my mother was like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so I went and backpacked with some friends around Europe, as you do. And I came back and I was working in a bar um, called The Regatta in Brisbane. People would know it. And my cousin called me one day and he is like a, you know, he's crazy. Like he has always worked on super yachts and he's always told me these crazy stories. And I've been like, wow, it's so cool. And he just called me one day um, and he knew I deferred uni for six months. And he was like, hey, I'm bringing the yacht back from Fiji. We're going to be in Cairns in two weeks. Um, I've told them that you have experience on boats. Like my, like I grew up on boats and my dad used to import and sell European yachts in Australia. So I, I like had an idea um, of how to be on a boat, but how to be a stewardess or a deckhand, like I had no idea. And two weeks later, I was on the swim platform, which is like the back of the boat and standing there in the stewardess outfit with like white gloves on and champagne and like Russell Crowe stepping on the boat. And I was just like, oh, here I am. <laughs> I love that. That is such, oh, that is brilliant. Yeah. Like, how long were you then there at the boat, at the yacht for? I can't even call that a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I worked in North Queensland for a couple of months um, as a deckhand and stew. And then I went over to Europe. So I went um, basically in the south of France. That's where the main yachting hubs are um, to a town called Antibes. And um, yeah, I got a job working for um, a Russian guy for a couple of years. And then I uh, moved over to a French boat um, for a couple of years. So yeah, I was in yachting for like three and a half years. It was a it was meant to kind of be like a six month thing. And then it ended up being a much bigger thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. And I feel like those good experiences were like, oh yeah, okay, this is a thing for two weeks. And then three years later, you're like, uh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> oh, and I, when I was doing it, I was like, oh, I want to do this for 10 years. You know, I want to move up and I was moving up at quite a good rate. And I, I thought, oh, I could really do, like make a career out of this. So I, I, I very much took it seriously and, and people would always say, oh, when are you going to come back and get a real job? And I was like, no, 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 this is my real job. I, <laughs> trust me. Um, yeah, so I, I was really into it and I absolutely loved it. And I, I, you know, I still miss it to this day. That is, sorry, that's easily the best story I've heard so far. <laughs> like, I mean, there's been someone who worked at a sailing club, like managed a sailing club. That's okay. the closest I think it's gotten to, which was really interesting. Actually, and the next thing she did after that was like work at Twitter, which I never, I was just like. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't okay, done that. Okay, Kim. So she, she's doing very but, well. <laughs> okay, I think that works itself really nicely into it. So what was next after being at the yacht for three years? Yeah, so after a couple of years, I kind of thought, um, well, I guess during like the quieter time, so when the boss wasn't on board, 
uh, we'd have, you know, quieter moments where you'd just be maintaining the yacht and doing inventory and that kind of stuff. Um, and I would just listen to podcasts all the time and I would always listen to like, um, like biohacking podcasts and scientific podcasts and like natural medicine podcasts. I really liked them. Um, so that was kind of like the tipping point and I was really ready to come home and really ready to study. I thought, okay, now I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this is the degree I want to do. So I came back, um, which was a huge move coming back and living in Australia again, uh, particularly coming from working and living on a boat. Um, and, you know, some of the boats I worked on, we were floating at sea for nine months of the year. So you wouldn't see anyone else but each other. And you became very accustomed to the life of living on a boat. Um, so it was a very big adjustment coming back and um, one that I definitely didn't expect. But, yeah, I came back and I started to study um, naturopathy, which is um, very random. So people pronounce it differently but it's like to be a naturopath so like you're a natural health practitioner i feel like it's not something everyone knows it's just i think the term is not something people would know they're like oh yeah okay i know what that is yeah someone explains it yeah so it's like um nutrition and herbal medicine um so i did that for a year um and i also worked as a medical receptionist during the time and which was quite a contrast you know working with doctors and studying something that was alternative kind of therapy yeah. so <laughs> the doctors would always be like why are you studying that why don't you study medicine um and i would help out like with minor operations and stuff because it was a small clinic um and very busy and on weekends like we didn't have many nurses around um and i kind of decided from there that i really liked I really liked that aspect of things. I really liked that really like heavy science side of things. Um, and I was definitely not going to do medicine. Like we had a lady who like had a heart attack and I was helping and I was useless. So <laughs> I was like, definitely not going to be a doctor. Um, no way. But I kind of, from that point, I was like, I really enjoy the heavy science side of things. Um, I wasn't so much enjoying the herbal medicine. So that's when I moved over to UQ and I started studying health science, majoring in nutrition. I love the whole kind of progress of where how, how it got to there. Yeah. I think it's really, really important because... I get this question all the time, especially from family and stuff, where they're like, so when are you doing the master's? Like, yeah. I mean, when, what, like, why are you, where are you working? Like I said, where's the master's? Yeah. <laughs> like, I said, I'm sorry, three years ago, I never even saw myself doing data or anything or related to technology. I know. There's no hope of me just randomly picking up a master's for the sake of it when I don't even know what I'm doing half 100%. the time in terms of like, what's going to happen in two years? I don't know. Yeah. And you just, you could flip again and you want to go in another direction and then you feel kind exactly. of stuck. Oh, I understand you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think especially now when it's a case of, it's not the whole, this is what you've chosen. This is what you'll do for the next 50 years and then you'll retire. Like it's just not that any case anymore at all. No. So I'm like, we shall see when we get there. And I think <laughs> we companies, we do. companies don't want that either. Like they actually really... Yeah appreciate someone who brings a bit of a different background and different perspective so it's kind of not the case anymore of just really like narrowing in on one kind of area it's kind of it's it's very like futuristic I think to pull in different disciplines and combine them and yeah I think that's really important to stay relevant and stay sort of ahead of things yeah and I think I mean oh, the whole point of 
sorry, I, I remember picking the degree I did and the re- <laughs> I wanted to do medicine in college. I was like, yes, I'm going to be a doctor. Like I knew it. I was like, yes, this is it. Yeah. Um, and then I think I just like the way the point system worked in Ireland, like I missed out like on a few points. Like it was probably a difference of like an A plus to an A minus kind of a wow. grading system kind of a thing. Right. And the next thing I had was like, well, I knew I liked maths in school. So I said, I'll do maths. <laughs> That's literally how it all started. And I'm like, um, as a 17 year old, I am really questioning who gave me the power to do these kind of decisions. Like this is bizarre. I can imagine you would have been the only extrovert in your maths classes. <laughs> we were surprised. You would be surprised, honestly. Oh, like a lot of, yeah. Like I think majority of it was not like that, which was a surprise to all of us, to be honest. We were really close next year, and we were all kind of like very much on the same like level of. That's we're good. all the same kind of people, and it was. I think it was a shock. Let's not lie. I mean, it yeah. was a case of like, oh, there's more of us. Oh my god, we all get on really well. Oh, we're actually all really into this. Okay, cool. Um, it was. Oh, that's a very big surprise. But yeah, but the other end of it is then I find that. Like people are like, oh my God, you're so good at community, like consulting and tech and stuff. And I'm like, this is normal. Yeah. (laughs) Surely this is just normal having come from that degree. Yeah. Yeah. And then to be told, oh my God, no, you're like, your skills are so like unique. And I'm like, I can just, what? No. But it's so (laughs) good. Like not being cookie cutter, you know, like that's when people kind of stand back and they're like, oh, that's interesting. So it works out really well. And I'm glad that you kind of went through the path of like, well, right decisions came along and they made sense at the time and they kind of led themselves into what made sense in the future and did the right like college degrees or whatever else it might be I really like that yeah yeah totally and I you know I kind of I didn't feel like it was going to be a big change like I was I guess I was changing from wanting to be a naturopath to wanting to be a dietitian so there was I still was going to work clinically and in the nutrition space but just like coming at it from a different angle um yeah, so it seemed like an, a very easy decision at the time. Yeah. So what comes along next? So you're, I'm assuming you finished the degree. Where is the decisions here at? Are you going to go work as a dietitian? I did finish this degree. <laughs> um, yes, I did finish this degree. My mother was <laughs> like, thank God, <laughs> my graduation. Um, yeah, so I guess the, uh, that's where things get really weird um I started the degree and I worked for a dietitian um, and I did a lot of experience in that space and I just really hated it to be honest um I I was so frustrated with you know you'd have Bob come who wants to lose 10 kilos or whatever and he you know he drinks seven rum and cokes on a Friday night and he eats like a bag of chips a day and so I would sit down with him and we would talk it through and I I could give him every single plan I could give him every single detail but it all came down to human behavior and that's when I was like this I feel like to do this job really well you need to have a real psychological element come into it because I can give you all the knowledge in the world Um, but if you've had a really bad day, like if you've crashed your car or you've, um, have family issues, like you're not going to look at my diet plan and be like, okay, Rachel said to have some scrambled eggs for breakfast. Um, but no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to have a bag of chips and a rum and Coke. Like, so I just kind of thought, I just, I was really frustrated with it. And I wasn't frustrated with the people. I was just more frustrated with, I guess, the, the way that like we go about it, um, as a profession. So 
I don't even know what comes next. I, oh yeah, I was, because my degree was health science. So it was really broad in the sense of like, I did a couple of nutrition subjects, but it was mostly science subjects and a bit of public health. Um, so I was sitting in a, it was like a health policy or health promotion subject. And they were talking about how they, I guess, roll out new policies in health or small things like, and I use this example a lot, but if we put six more taps in a university campus, people would drink X amount more of water, their hydration levels would go up, they would decrease you know, their risk of cardiovascular disease. And I just thought that's so cool because that's tackling human behavior, number one, but it's getting so many more people. Like it's not this one-on-one, you know, clinical engagement that I'm having with someone. I'm I'm getting to affect multiple people. And that's kind of where my eyes opened up. And I was like, I really want to be in the public health space. It's really important to me to make big change and big impact across a lot of people. Um, and about that time as well, I kind of thought, well, what's the future of public health? You know, you've got to have that tech integration into it as well. Um, so yeah, that's where I was really like my interests really sparked. Um, and I applied for this camp called young women leaders in AI and I met them at this random event called code, which is like a techie event in Brisbane. It's really, really cool. But yeah, I, I met these people there and they were like, you should apply scholarship funded program seven days at the Gold Coast University hospital. And I was like, I know nothing about AI. I've never coded before. And they were just like, apply, just put in a good application. Um, So I did and I got it. I got in. Um, And through that camp, we, on the last day, we had to pitch an idea that integrated sort of health, obviously being in the Gold Coast University Hospital and AI. Um, And our team won the camp. So that's when we started our startup and I became a co-founder of an AI startup. Okay, we're going to have to pause and like dive through a bunch of different things here (laughs) because, oh my God, I love this. And I think (laughs) this is kind of where I'm like, people need to go and do more meetups and stuff. And yes, there is a networking part of it. Like you get to meet the great people and they lead to opportunities and blah, blah, blah. Like that's great. But it's things like this that you find out about through these kind of events. Like people just share all like, I mean, we do this at Women Who Code where hey, these are the events that are coming up in the next month. We think are cool. Someone might, someone else might think it's kind of cool too. And everyone kind of shares and becomes this like really like holistic space of like, oh, everyone's just sharing and it's a community and it's great. But the fact that you're kind of going into the world of like, okay, public health is where I want to be. And I know that tech is now becoming really important. And then like this opportunity comes along where it's like, it's ideal, where it's just like the perfect world's matching up and you kind of just hear about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it just, it felt, it was really exciting and we were, you know, we were solving a really big problem um, and it just, yeah, it all kicked off from there. So basically our idea was we were looking at food wastage and malnutrition in hospitals primarily, and then we moved into aged care. Um, But we saw there was a 40% food wastage rate um, and that was just like not good enough um, and to see the impacts that it had on patients um, and very easily fixed impacts, um, you know, to the point where we would see patients just wouldn't eat because they were either, you know, in a surgery or, um, 
you know, not feeling well after chemo or, you know, there was multiple reasons why. Um, and it just seemed like if we brought automation into it um, and data and, and were tracking these kinds of things, it just, yeah, it seemed like a pretty obvious fix to the problem. Um, so, yeah, we basically, from that, we would pitch at so many events. Um, we got given a camera, AI camera by Microsoft, um, which was at the time apparently the first AI camera in Australia um, from Microsoft. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and so we just kind of continued on. Then we we ended up getting the head of dietetics from UQ come on board um, and we had a clinical trial all set up and ready to go uh, and then COVID hit. <laughs> So that um, kind of put that one on the shelf for a while. But um, definitely it's, I think about it every day and it's something that, you know, I would, I would pick up happily anytime. Um, it just like wasn't, wasn't tight, like the timing wasn't just yeah, right on it. That you th well, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I mean, obviously trying to get it set up and working is a whole different story during COVID, but I'd assume like something like that to have that kind of set up would have been very handy and beneficial, I'm assuming. Yeah, I just think we went into the aged care kind of sector, guns blazing and wanted to, you know, do all this crazy stuff. And we would go into aged care homes as we did a lot. And they would pull out their spreadsheet, their printed out spreadsheets and be like, this is our tech. Um, and that's kind of as far as they got in terms of their technology. And they, yeah, they're just, I think, a slower industry to pick up that stuff, very risk averse. Um, you know, they don't want some crazy AI camera coming in and, and doing all these wild things. So it, I just think, you know, maybe in a few years, the industry will be like more receptive to that. But um, yeah, yeah, it just wasn't I, the right do time. Do you want to talk, actually, sorry, this is something that I think is really interesting. It's Kathy Moya, one of the people who've been on the, as a guest before. I absolutely love her. And like she says this thing of there isn't, like I mean it's very minimal people who probably are but there aren't really many jobs or people left in the world that don't deal with technology or can say they don't work with technology and I think that's a really it's a really good way of putting it like mm. you aren't someone who's in AI who didn't really know much about it but here you are setting up a AI tech startup essentially and like you are someone in tech like you yeah. are a person in tech now and that's somewhere you belong how was that experience? Um, like, I'm, I'm assuming there's other people in the group that were more towards that software side of things. Like, how was all that? Yeah, we had, we sort of had uh, a few different brains. Um, we had more of the business side people, which was kind of where I fell in business development. Um, and then, yeah, we had sort of the AI techie gals, um, all females in, in the group, which was really cool. And yeah, we had a really good mix of people. So we definitely... Um, all thought really differently. We had someone who was a clinical dietitian. So, you know, super, super lucky in that respect um, to have such a diverse team. And yeah, it, it's, um, it's just so important when you're, you know, going out and trying to get stuff done, like to have people that think differently to you and, and start business with. Especially when it's anything to do with AI. I'm like, yes, that diversity is yeah. so key. <laughs> Making sure you're looking at all different kind of angles of it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, at 100%. And through the camp as well, like I really saw that there was, there's such an ethic side to AI and, you know, you don't need a lot of technical understanding to 
be able to understand that they need like there's there's a serious need for diversity in um, businesses with AI and, and you know the people coding that are going to be plugging their biases into that so it's important to not just have a bunch of white middle-aged men doing it it's it's so crucial you know just the examples I've heard is just insane it like it just blew my mind like I think I love how it's just like oh yeah we just forgot there was 50% of the population that exists and we just didn't factor that in you're like huh amazing the the worst example I can think of which was a soap dispenser an AI soap dispenser that didn't pick up on darker skin and it's just like how did that slip through the cracks like you know, it's just examples of that. How, like, how many people would have had to see it yeah. to get to that yeah. kind of a thing? I think it was, um, I think the, word, like, the most shocking one that I've seen recently enough, um, it just kind of came back up on like LinkedIn's and stuff, was, I think, New Zealand government. Which, I mean, let's be real, New Zealand, like, one of the best com- mm. countries I can think of in the world. Um, they, like, the scanners at airports for, like, oh, um, yeah. passports and stuff. They hadn't, um, the training data set didn't include, I think, Chinese oh backgrounds. Um, so people of Chinese descent just weren't getting recognized in their like facial scanners and stuff. And I was like, that's uh, horrendous. But it's an airport. Like, how have you got there? Like, how do they get that far? Exactly. And, and you know, we're not sort of people, you know, it's not just chiming in and giving it lip service. Like, it's actually crucial to have this. Um, and I've, you know, in every position I've been in, I've, that's something that I've like held very close to me to really ensure there's like fairness in the industry. And, you know, as it stands now, there's really not. Um, I was um, appointed chief student entrepreneur um, of UQ. And so I really, that you know, the two main things for that year is I really wanted to get students outside of engineering and business into startups and, you know, feel comfortable in the startup space. But um, I also wanted to see more diversity in the programs because I actually saw so much that women shied away from a lot of the kind of more serious pitching competitions, um, the ones with more money. Um, and I just, yeah, I wanted the university to really champion women and, and find a way to make sure that they actually put themselves in the ring. Cause I just, yeah, I think that's just so important. Even just trying and seeing what happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's just so much to learn, even just from like, this went terribly. Yeah. I hated every second of that. And yet I'm like, oh, but this is, I could change that. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, there was so much I wanted to do in the role and I was just so excited to get it because, yeah, I just, I felt like I had, you know, more control over what was happening and I could like feed issues up through the students. And yeah, it was, it was the best, it was one of the best jobs I think I've ever had actually working as chief student entrepreneur and I've told them that so many times. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great year, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of weird. Cause my, my story jumps a little bit, but basically plate waste um, was going on in the background and I was um, selected to go over to San Francisco to um, work in a medical technology startup over there. Um, so this was just before COVID hit um, and I was in America and I remember going to the shops and I couldn't get hand sanitizer and I was like, that's really weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I worked um, for a startup called Patched Medical over there, which was a sort of sepsis AI detection device. Um, so I did that for a month 
and then came back, started my tenure as chief student entrepreneur. And um, yeah, I just did a little, like a couple of different coding courses. And I was like, I really want to learn more. I actually want to get a good foundation of this because if I'm going to work in the health space, in the health tech space, I really need to have that bridge of knowledge. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I need, mean that I need to code um, and actually do the coding. It just means that I need to understand the basic terminology and the language around that and the language around a product and know the timing of things, know the costings, um, you know, know all those little details. And I wouldn't know that unless I actually did did the coding thing. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah, that's when I applied for SheCodes um, and, yeah, started on that journey. Oh, how was that? So, I, I mean, I asked this because there's been a few people on the podcast before who've gone through that kind of boot camp journey more so trying to move into a software dev role or something specifically in the really hard code coding side of things, right? But this is interesting where it's like, it, you're not really aiming for kind of, yes, I'm gonna be coding for the rest. It's more, how do I understand this better to like actually help this implement into other parts of my life and the other things that are going on. That's a really interesting, like different take. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how you found the six months then. Oh, I, <laughs> I think that my fellow team members can attest to this like where there was a little there was a small group of us that were just not detail people I'm not a nitty-gritty detail person I'm a big picture person so when there was a damn comma somewhere I would just be like I give up (laughs) my code's broken I give up I'm exiting it's done yeah so (laughs) no I really enjoyed the front end stuff like I loved that and I loved the element of you know user design and again that human behavior side of things I'd done a bit of that with with patched in San Fran looking at how people interact with a product so that to me was really cool and looking at you know colors and um and just like the design side of things but the back end was just the absolute death of me (laughs) so yeah I love that so much it's funny because that my sister is doing coding now in college like over the weekend she's like I just need you to sit down with me and figure out what is going wrong because I can't do it anymore. And I was like, what do you want about it? I started going through it. And I'm like, um, why is there a double cut, like double cut <laughs> yeah, yeah. here? And she's like, I spent the whole weekend looking at this. It would be so annoying because because we'd go through as a class together. It was mostly, um, it was virtual for the first couple of months just because of COVID. And so if you were going through the class and then you kind of hit a roadblock, you'd be booped out into a breakout room and, you'd be with a mentor and they would fix it or like help you fix it. And so you'd share your screen. They're like, oh, so just um, so lovely. Just that comma, Rachel, um, that's not supposed to. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so small. But yeah, I, I have so much respect for people, for software engineers and, and coders. I really do. Um, and so it was a really good experience in that respect, like just understanding because we actually at the end of it, we had – a guy from BHP come and um, he kind of tasked us up with making an app. Um, it was kind of like a banking app. And even like having sessions with him and we would go through each week and he would give feedback and be like, oh, can we just move this here? And even just him being like, can you just move this here? I'd be like, sure. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how long that's going to take. That could take like four hours, four days, and then showing people at the end, and he would be like, oh, that's cool. Like, oh, it doesn't look like my apps, but it's like, this took weeks and four people to do. (laughs) 
So yeah, massive, massive respect. <laughs> I like it. That's actually that's super interesting that you got like industry kind of experience and stuff with like people coming in as well. That's, that's oh, cool. it was I haven't heard of that such a good program and like. It was very holistic, you know, they were very supportive and it wasn't just about the coding, you know, it was really about the community. Um, and so, yeah, they do, they do such a fantastic job and I would honestly tell anyone to do it. Like it just, even if you just have an inkling of interest in the area, like it's just so valuable. It's been so valuable for me. I like it. Actually, yeah, this is a great shout out. If people are listening, look, and it's a free one as well because it's sponsored by corporates in the background. So it's a really well-run free bootcamp, yeah. which people should look into if they're contemplating it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And they so they pick 20, 20 women um, and they sponsor you for six months. So it's, yeah, it's amazing. I would highly recommend it. Ideal. So you've done, it's now, I mean, okay, I feel like Brisbane did fairly well at the starting of like 2020 and COVID at least. I mean, you're kind of coming out of COVID, you're coming out of this Chico's kind of program. And at this stage, I think, did you say, what was it called again? Plates? Plate waste. Plate waste, mm. sorry. I was like, there's a bunch of Plate different like, health tech terms. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been kind of shoved at the moment. So what yeah. is happening then? So so I'm, I'm chief student, entrepreneur, and I'm working for the university and I, as part of my, one of my subjects, we had to do placement and a lot of people were doing placement um, in government and, you know, in the public health area. And I was like, mm, sounds a bit boring. Um, <laughs> I am going to apply for a biotech company. And so I, I don't even know how this happened, but my CV ended up on the CEO's desk, Sean, um, at Illum. And he called me one day and he had like screaming kids in the background and he was just like, okay, so you've been to San Francisco, okay, AI, yep, okay, all right, cool, we'll take you. And I was like, great, done. Um, so I started with Loom and I started in their dev team um, and quickly was, um, you know, realized that that was way too advanced for me. Um, so I did a bit of like testing and stuff, but i yeah, I was like, this isn't the area for me. And I moved into R&D as a scientist. So um, I did my placement hours and then I stayed on um, as a junior scientist. So I, yeah, I worked for Loom for I think just over six months. Um, and yeah, absolutely loved it. It was the craziest company to work for. You know, I started when there was like 50 people in the company. And when I left, there was 350 Um yeah in six months and three offers yeah like it was just crazy and such a cool ride to be a part of and I wouldn't have left it if I didn't have my job at KPMG um it was very very hard to leave I was um I I loved it there so that was interesting you know I was um I was a scientist in a lab and I was pipetting and in my in my chemistry labs at uni I was like I'll never I'll never need this again like eh, whatever and I get there and I was like, oh, how do I reverse pipette? Like, <laughs> I should have really listened in my labs. Um, so, yeah, but it was really cool in R&D because you're testing the product in different environments. So, for those of you that don't know, Alum is a biotech company based in Brisbane um, and they have created a rapid 15-minute COVID test that you can buy over the counter. So, in your pharmacy. Um, and at the moment, it has FDA approval. So you can buy it in a pharmacy in America. Um, and yeah, I know that they're working to get it approved in other countries. But yeah, we were testing the product. So we'd put the product in the freezer and then test it. Or we'd chew on an American lolly and then 
do a test and see if anything interacted with it. So it was kind of, again, that human behavior element and seeing if anything would interact with the product and, um, yeah, seeing how we could yeah. rectify that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, incredible experience. That just sounds like so much fun. <laughs> it's like that is like the ideal kind of like research scientist that I picture when like you hear, when you think about it, you're like, yeah, let me just go try a lolly and see how that works. Like what a great day at work. Oh, so cool. So, so cool. And I helped out in other areas um, in production. So I was operating the big machines um, and yeah, it was kind of cool when I started because I got to have a taste of a few different areas and then land where I thought was really interesting. So yeah, R&D was just, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I love it. You've got like, I love how it went from yachts to like proper startups and tech startups. Yeah. R&D. Like it's, this has got it all people. This, it's, is it. this is the kind of stuff we want to hear. Yeah. It really confuses people. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but you said you had the job at KPMG already lined up. So that was next, I'm assuming. And that is where you are now. Yeah. So I was in my first year of, I think uh, maybe my second year. And I went to one of those stall days at, um, at the uni and I found it a bit intimidating cause I was, you know, walking around with my brochure and it was like, Oh, if you have a background in business or engineering or whatever, um, finance. And I was like, well, I don't have any of them. I'm a nutrition student. <laughs> and then I saw that KPMG at the bottom, it said, Oh, people in health. Um, so I went over and I spoke to the lady and she was like, kind of told her what I wanted to do when, you know, I want to work in public health and I want to work in the tech space and I want to bring it all together. I want to have big impact. And she was like, okay, you need to talk to this guy, his partner. Um, and so he, she just rattled off his name. And as I walked away, I just punched it into LinkedIn. So I understand the LinkedIn stalk. Um, <laughs> and I just messaged him and I was like, Hey, can I have half an hour of your time? Um, and like grab a coffee and just find out more about what you do. And yeah, I found myself at um, one of the, you know, I went through like all the interviews and I was at a testing day and then, yeah, got a grad position with KPMG in the health team. So it was just by that chance that I spoke to that lady and, um, you know, met, met this partner that, that kind of all, all those events kind of came about. No, I love it. Those get especially those things. I'm like, people, please listen. Just do it. Like, take the shot. Like, what's the worst? It's like, okay, please do apply online. Like, that's the worst thing that they'll say. You know, I mean, the cookie cutter response for everyone else. But you never know what else might come along. Oh, and I think I always say this to my friends if they're like, you know, scared of of that kind of stuff. It's kind of like I heard this a while ago, and it was like, no one asked the prettiest girl from school to the dance, and it's kind of like no one sees those big names and thinks you know they're like oh they're probably not going to reply or they're not going to talk to me but it's like if everyone thinks that then no one asks them and so you may as well just ask and just see what happens like there's there's literally nothing to lose and the thing is right if they're not looking at it or replying to it they don't remember you like there is no kind of like leftover kind of like yeah. embarrassment factor left anyway like they don't remember this and they never knew this happened move on yeah oh 100% so you can only gain from those experiences like if you go into it um, in an organized fashion and you know you know what you want and you're really clear then I think yeah people are always willing to help definitely I love that that is I feel like that's a great way to wrap it all up so I love how like I genuinely mean this this is like it's been such a great chat from I'm still in like all of like the whole the fact that we started this and you're like yeah and Russell Crowe just came along <laughs> and now we've gotten out all the way to like yeah we ended up at KPMG having done 
a hundred things in the middle. I love it so much. Oh, and there's definitely parts I left out just because it's uh, it's just too confusing otherwise. <laughs> so I like yeah. it. Look, I think, I mean, people can find you all across socials and stuff and they can hunt you down on LinkedIn then. That's, yeah, that's what hunt, I'll pass on, I'm sure. Down, you know? <laughs> I'm all about the LinkedIn stalk. It makes such a big difference. I love it. I'm like, yes, look, I've gotten so used to doing it. I'm like, I'm not shameless at it. I'm just like... Here we go. Yeah, I loved your message. I was like, oh, go girl. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> See, this is it. <laughs> so look, we'll leave it off there for today. I'm so glad that you came along and chatted to us about everything that's going to happen. I'm really excited to see where it all goes. Like the K- work at KPMG sounds interesting and kind of along the lines of what you were hoping for. You've very much landed to what you wanted yep. through everything that you've experienced. Yeah, yeah. It's um, It suits my personality really well. Like it's always changing and it's really dynamic. So I'm never bored. I'm someone, as you could probably tell, gets bored pretty easily. So I'm kept on my toes, which is definitely a good thing for me. I like it. Uh, we'll be back again in two weeks' time with another episode. And until then, hopefully we're not in lockdowns anymore and you keep safe. We'll see you soon. Thank you.